listening to The 10 Podcast, the discovery and design channel in health. Tune in with me, your host Matt Patterson, to learn about insights from the world of healthcare today. It's great to invite Matthew Knight onto the podcast this morning. Matt is the founder of Leapers. He'll tell you more about that in a moment uh, and has a great insight in relation to isolated working, the self-employed, freelancers and the experience of those working away from the normal office setting. Something we may all be finding uh, is a critical part of our lives. So welcome this morning, Matthew. Um, It'd be great to find out a little bit more about you. Uh, Tell us a bit about the Leapers community and and what your where that came from and where it is now and where it's going because you're in a quite a unique position to see what a lot of people in quite different working contexts are seeing within their home lives who are freelancers I guess. Yeah so Leapers uh, was started about two and a half years ago from my observation that um, obviously work was changing you know, the conversation around more flexibility more remote working um, different shapes of jobs and and the kind of flex uh, working agenda was quite zeitgeist at the time um, but what I recognized was there were lots of people talking around process and how to do this and like campaigning for it supporting it and encouraging it um, but the, the missing piece was, well, hold on, who, who is looking at the emotional impact of these changes? Who, what are the support structures if you do decide to work from home or work for yourself? Um, what, what is the system that you can turn to when if you're no longer in an office, if you no longer have people around you, if you don't have a team, um, what replaces that? And the rise of self-employment over the last 10 years is dramatic. The number of people who um, are returned to work parents, for instance, that can't get flexible or, or kind of time that sits around their caring has dramatically increased. The number of um, over 50-year-olds who, who are moving to self-employment because perhaps they can't get a job or they want to carry on working into retirement. Um, that. You know, there's a huge shift towards working for yourself and designing how you want to work for yourself. But I just saw that a lot of people were stepping into that way of working, either voluntarily because it suited their lifestyle or they were having to work in that way through redundancy or needing to be a carer and not able to get jobs. Um, but without thinking about, well, hold on, what am I giving up? What am I stepping away from? And I think the job has had a bad rap in the last couple of years but actually you know you have a team around you you have an HR department generally who is looking after your legal uh, kind of uh, responsibilities to your employer uh, from your employer rather Um, there's some sort of career plan in place and development you've got access to resources and you don't have to worry about contracts and 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 the thing which People know that they're not going to have a team around them, but all of the small little micro-interactions, which you don't necessarily realize are beneficial, like someone just making you a cup of tea or going, hey, how are you doing? The things which we're recognizing now during corona that are actually massively valuable, uh, and in aggregate, they support you, but 
without um, they don't so so we wanted to um, I wanted to first create a space where we could have a conversation around that and started a slack channel um, that anybody could join and just chat around these sorts of things but it very quickly realized we realized very quickly that the gap was this emotional space the, the need to be able to talk to people about your experience what you're feeling um, to figure out whether it's it's something that only you're going through or is just a collective part of the experience of being self-employed or working differently and that's grown in the last uh, pre-covid grew to about 1500 members and we started producing resources and guides and content for people who are thinking about changing the way they work and for people who are right in the thick of, of working differently right now yeah, <laughs> what, have, what, what, what have you learned what so that's you you're ahead of the curve in relation to that and you've learned a lot of stuff what's that taught you for where you are right now where, what's covid how does covid weave into that I don't think it changes anything. I think, you know, Leapers has been talking about the importance of looking after our entire workforce, uh, regardless of employment contracts for the last couple of years. And it's even more important when they're not on site, um, when they're contingent workers, when they are effectively disposable, they're just coming in for a short burst of time and they're leaving. And there's an, there's an increased set of mental health uh, or kind of cognitive and emotional load for the self-employed that employees don't tend to have. So you're doing the work that you do, but you also have to find the next gig, you have to chase the invoices, you have to be the marketing guy and the sales guy and, and, and everything else that's going on in life. And, and now I think the rest of the world is catching up with, hold on, there is, there's all these other things which we, we have to do as well. Um, and the, the anxiety levels for the self-employed over the last two weeks have just skyrocketed because A, everybody's anxiety has increased uh, because of the backdrop. But B, can projects were being cancelled, left, right and centre. Uh, events were being stopped, uh, cafes and shops were being closed, projects were just being shuttered. Everybody was putting the brakes on. Um, Mid-project, pre-project, uh, you know, just kind of left, right and centre, everyone's like, no one is doing anything. Where is my income going to come from? So that added, obviously, a huge anxiety. Then when the emergency budget was announced um, without measures to protect the self-employed, um, further anxiety was like, well, hold on, are we being forgotten? What does this mean for us? Um, so I think it, it kind of crystallized in a moment across the entire community of those who work for themselves. Hold on, this is a fragile way of working. Uh, there, there is no support structure. There is no guaranteed work there is no longevity in how i'm working and uh it, it is causing many many people to just really have a very poor time at the moment if you were like the megaphone of those voices you hear going towards the government in relation to what they should do for the self-employed because as you say they've been left as as of yet there's not that many measures that have been put in place to give them an income what do you yes. kind of think? What what is, what is the request? Is it to have parity with those that are in the kind of uh, hospitality industry, eighty percent of their income or something like that? So what's what 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 what's it look like? Uh, equality, parity, yeah, the same thing. I, I think the measures to protect um, salaries for PAYE employees, the eighty percent um, cash back, if you like, from government to employers. Um, didn't protect the self-employed 
And I think fundamentally everybody, all that we're asking for is, is parity. It's like, let's have that 80% as well. There are added complexities there because if you're not, if you don't have a regular income, well, what is that? What 80% of what? Mm. Uh, many businesses are new, so they don't have three years of accounts to say, hey, here's my average over three years. And also most of the self-employed have a very low salary um, and tend to take things from their business to support themselves in a more tax efficient way um, through dividends um, and through just you know kind of being frugal with their spending. So they're not taking a huge amount of money from their business actually to weather our time. So salaries look much lower. And I think the average uh, income, annual income for the self-employed is around 16 to 18,000 pounds. So it's a really, really low number. Um, so even parity is a, is, a, is a worrying thing because it's going to be significantly lower than a large number of people can access. Um, but I think the, the other important thing to remember is I think when people think self-employed, a lot of the time we think freelance. So, you know, people who look like us sitting on a laptop, tapping away. Um, but self-employment is over 5 million people in the UK. It's builders, plumbers, electricians. Uh, many lawyers, those who work in the hospitality industry, journalism, um, pretty much the entire TV and film industry, 50% uh, of the creative industry. So there are lots of industries who are predominantly self-employed. And the second risk, I guess, is that those industries could be wiped out overnight if all of those productions and all of those projects just stop. Um, that is going to be one of our primary exports in a post-Brexit economy yes. um, so the government needs to look at the impact of supporting those industries not just because of self-employment because of our export ability and the final thing is the um, the impact on the mental health service again so uh, some research from the RSA earlier this week said that between 30 or 40 percent of the self-employed would continue working uh, even if they were ill because they don't have protection of their income and they need to make the money in order to pay their bills, mm. in order to eat. Uh, that obviously doesn't help flatten the curve at all. And even if everybody does stay at home, the secondary impact of mental health uh, on the, on the um, public health services will then start to trickle through as well because as people lose their jobs, as employees of small businesses lose their jobs, the mental health crisis is going to start stepping in shortly after the infection crisis um so it's a it's a multi-layered and complex problem and i recognize why government haven't reacted as quickly as they could have done and applaud actually their, their efforts in what they have been able to do um but again this is a case of we need to have an immediate short-term support structure and then we need to look ahead to actually how can we support small businesses in a more sustainable way that removes issues like IR35 or kind of removing entrepreneurs relief because fundamentally the way that small businesses are supported by government isn't sufficient to regrow our economy. So in that the, a lot of that supply chain we're all part of supply chain for often big companies whether they're media companies whether they're medical manufacturers whatever they are whether they're FMCG companies around the world and big companies will be protecting their core providers at the moment do you think that perhaps the government needs to go to all the big corporates to pass that on some way down to their supply chain or do you think it's going to be a government to the self-employed because the, the picture you painted then 
this very complex, very uh, rich landscape of all these providers that are part that the, the fabric of Britain in many, many ways and shapes and forms. How can, or maybe it's both those things. How could we? How could the big companies be part of that? Because they're, they're buying year in year out off their off our suppliers, people like me and yourself. What do? What what happens there? Absolutely, I, I think. Um we need to shift from an individual mindset to a, a network mindset and understand the knock-on effects of our behaviors. So in terms of flattening the curve, if I go outside, I'm more likely to cause a 3x impact on those around me. It's exactly the same in business. Um, you know, we, we, we all stand on the shoulders of others. 99% of businesses in the UK are SMEs which is defined between zero employees and 250 employees. 95% of micro-businesses, so that's between zero and 10 employees. When I say zero, that means there's a person who's running business. Yes, <laughs> yes. Not, um, not, a, not AI bots quite yet. Yeah, that's another category again. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, to, to pretend that we are islands in business and, and not... Uh, admit that we we lean on so many other businesses that also lean on other businesses that also lean on other businesses. It's a really complex web of support. Um, and I think it's not just about large businesses, it's about large and small businesses, all businesses carrying on uh, to the best of their ability. And we've been saying, please don't cancel, redesign. Take a moment to breathe but don't stop your projects. Think about how they can continue to work in another way because you might think that you're stopping just cash flow to one individual, but that organization in network effects may be you know, employing or enabling a hundred other individuals. Um, so whilst it seems kind of counter to, to the situation at the moment, I think in many ways we have to press on and to a certain extent over-invest in small businesses and look to actually switching our supplier behaviors and purchasing behaviors to um, buy from smaller organizations who are going to be disproportionately affected. Simple example, and this is in the creative industries where um, there is not a supply chain of, of many people, of maybe just kind of one or two for, for a lot of instances, but 50% of the creative industries are self-employed. So over 60% of creative businesses hire freelancers, rely upon freelancers. Let's fast forward to a wonderful world where we found a vaccination. Some 12 year old kid hacked it in his kitchen, which is more than likely to happen. And we all take this drug and it's all fine. Uh, and all big agencies go back to work. And then over 60% of their workforce can't return to work because they've taken full-time jobs in other places, working at Tesco or working as a counselor now, whatever it might be. They've, they have decimated the talent force by not continuing to invest in them. So regardless of uh, payment protection, if businesses don't continue to invest in those small businesses and the network of their supply chain right now, they won't be there when things return to normality. And they won't be there when we need to start scaling up our businesses again in order to return, hopefully, to financial health. And and I, as you're saying that, I think that's a super interesting and super important point. And I just think the fabric of our society is built on those people as well. I look around my room, I've got bits of objects of design 
Often, many of them are around from around the world, but many of them aren't. They're from Britain. They're, they're bits of graffiti or whatever. It's like the, we everything we build in our lives has, over time, relied on either international supply or local supply, uh, and we're going through a big sort of everyone's forgetting the Brexit word at the moment but what it has done is an, is an interesting reflection on the concept of Brexit in relation to supply chains and maintenance and locality and importance and all of those factors how do you see that that fits into this picture as Britain and the British moving forward supplying for itself I think in lots of ways it's positive I mean I, I am definitely a Ramona um, and um, and distraught around leaving the, uh, leaving Europe, um, but also appreciate the benefits of looking a little bit more inwardly in terms of sourcing. Um, if we can reduce the amount of international cargo moving around, that is no bad thing. If we can look towards local suppliers from food and, and industry, that is no bad thing. Already, I've noticed my behaviours shifting in just the last couple of weeks around the sorts of food which I'm making, the sorts of products which I'm using, kind of shifting to longer lasting, less disposable, kind of my waste has dropped. Um, it's really unfortunate that it takes a world-changing, world-threatening event for us to have to consider those things. But we have been saying that for a long, it's a long time, right? Avengers... Uh, helped save the planet because suddenly there was this like massive planetary uh, threatening situation and everybody pulls together at the end of Independence Day or whatever it might be and there are there are, there are true analogues there that we do need a global threat to to make us shift our behaviours I wish that you, we've all seen the memes around we all wish that climate change had the same PR agency as Corona right mm. um so I think I, I, I'm hoping that people will see that changes can be made. Unfortunately, it's going to be tainted with such negative memories and connotations of, oh, when I was in lockdown, all I ate was lentils and coconut milk or, yeah. you know, bread and water or whatever it might be. And, and we will see a, um, a resurgence of luxury and uh, disposable and uh, you know, people getting it out of their systems. Um, then I think it does come to all of us collectively to saying, look, this isn't going to be the last pandemic. This isn't going to be the last time that the planet is threatened at a significant scale. How do we continue to flatten that curve? Mm. <laughs> and and of, of all of the threats which uh, arise. Um, and it takes both governmental policy to restrict what we can and can't do, but it also takes industry regulation, self-regulation and collaboration um, to improve behaviours. I'm, I'm really glad that the um, uh, anti-cartel legislation has been relaxed in the last couple of months, in the last month, um, to allow grocers to work together. Mm. Um, I, I believe in the idea of positive cartels, in that actually if we can collectively agree what are better practices for society. They need to be open, they need to be transparent, they need to be very, very kind of, you know, heavily visible so you can see what's happening inside the cartel. But actually, if we can create more cartel-like behaviors where people are price fixing in a positive way yeah. and behavior fixing, I think that that is a way in which we can encourage behavior on mass. And if we, 
and if we take some of that behavioural mass, you have uh, we've talked already about mental health issues in relation to this. If from what you're learning, we say you're many weeks ahead of the curve in relation to your considerations on this, and you're getting a unique perspective through leapers and hearing people come together and talk about these things. What should we? What does good look like in three weeks' time? And what does good look like in six weeks' time in terms of that mental health support? Where, what would you, what would, what's, what's sort of not your advice, but what, what, what do you, what do you see? Uh, I don't have a three-week view at the moment. Um, I am grateful. The, the most, the most important bit which I took from Boris's announcement last night on on the lockdown of the UK was the phrase three weeks. Um, because it was the first time actually that they put some sort of number as to how long anything is going to be Hmm. happening for Uh, that isn't to say things will be solved in three weeks but that is what I took from it was right this is going to be the situation for three weeks therefore need to stop thinking about in three week terms and six weeks terms and and so on Um, what it looks like in three weeks I don't know The, the the unfortunate situation in the UK is that mental health care support is was at stretching point anyway. There is not enough um, public accessible mental health care support in the UK, even if you are hospitalised or into the kind of the, the public health system. There are not enough mental health nurses. There are not enough trained therapists. We have a shortage in the number of um, trained professionals that we have in the UK. Um, and that's where my concern for the self-employed came because the more people who become self-employed, the more who don't have employer insurance uh, to turn to. They don't have a support network, so that would increase a burden. Um, I So I think what we need to do is two things. First of all, we have to take responsibility for ourselves, and that means awareness, number one. So be actively considerate for your own mental health. Um put things in place to just keep check on how you're feeling. If that means writing a journal, um, if that means having a daily uh, chat with somebody that you're just checking in and sharing. Today I'm, I'm a three, which is really low. Or today I'm a nine, which is really high. There's a brilliant numeric system called form, which is from one to 10, that just numerically describes how you're doing in that day. So, so share that and, and track that over time to see what changes and then start to see what is affecting those changes. Um, You don't need to do anything about it, but just be aware of those things and look at what is causing those things. So then you're a little bit more aware of how you're doing rather than it creeping up on you and suddenly you're out flat on the sofa and you can't move. So awareness is absolutely critical and journaling journaling really helps. The second thing is to take a long-term view on this, not a kind of, oh God, everything's horrific, but mental health and physical health are... Um, you know they they ebb and flow right so some days you'll be really healthy some days you'll be less healthy that's okay and there are rhythms and patterns so you need to think about these things over the long term rather than reacting to things it's going to be more increasingly challenging right now because it's so intense but recognize that there are things which you can do to uh, improve your mental health in the moment if you're feeling really under like significant stress and there are things which you can do to smooth out or kind of de-risk your mental health getting poorer in time. So that the, in the moment things are things like actually meditation really helps, just simple breathing, like giving yourself 15 minutes to just 
not be doing the kids' homework, not be worrying about the next three weeks, not be doing the recipe, not watching Netflix, but just 15 minutes to just breathe and relax for a little bit for a moment. And the longer term things come back to that journaling. So if you start to see what are the things that are causing you to slip into poor mental health, start to put action plans in place. So if you are significantly worried about your financial well-being, what are the things that you can do in order to have a plan to reduce your anxiety around that, that well-being? It's not solving the financial issues, but it reduces some of your anxiety around the financial well-being. Um, and, and the absolute basics, eat well, sleep, um, get your rest, drink lots of liquids, uh, get outdoor time if you can, if you can't take vitamin D, um, because physical health and mental health are intertwined and if you're not feeling physically well, your mental health will be much poorer. But the basics are 80% of what keep you better emotionally well. That's great advice. Um, I'll probably wrap us up there. It's been super interesting talking today. We've covered quite a lot. Thank you very much for your insight. Um, if people want to hear more from you, get in touch with you, understand a bit more about it, what would you? Where where might they do that? The easiest way is to come and see us at www.leapers.co, or they can Google for Leapers Community. We're on Twitter as well, although, as I said, we're being relatively calm at the moment. We have a podcast as well called No More Water Cooler. Um, and over the next coming uh, weeks or so, we're just going to be having cups of tea with people and catching up with them and seeing how they're doing. So that might be like a nice thing to drop into. Uh, and we also post a lot on LinkedIn, specifically around how teams and organizations can work well. And we're going to be ramping up um, advice and recommendations and guidelines for how organizations can start to think in a slightly longer term view with remote and freelance workers in mind. Brilliant. I mean, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I will be coming to have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with you in that environment and, and look after ours and my mental health along with those of the people I connect. Thank you very, very much for the time today and for the conversation. It's been fascinating. Thanks, man. night from leapers great to have him on the show if you'd like to come on the show please email me hello at we are 10.co.uk if you have a particular expertise in relation to covid19 and um, you can follow us and please do follow us and share the podcast uh, follow us on spotify and on itunes and have a very safe day out there thinking of you all wherever you are in the world speak soon Thank you.